Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991. From the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between, we'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Night on Earth. John, and thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. Night on Earth chronicles five different cab drivers in five different cities across the globe in a single night, starting at dusk in Los Angeles, then progressing through New York, Paris, Rome, and driving until dawn in Helsinki, the film offers a glimpse into their meaningful fares. Screenplay by Jim Jarmusch, directed by Jim Jarmusch, and shown at the New York Film Festival on October 4th, 1991. So have you seen Night on Earth before? No, I have not. Really? This is probably the first movie where I have seen it before, and you have not. Oh, okay, cool. That's interesting. Yeah, back when I was first getting into movies around high school time, that's when I, you know, was trying to explore some of the art house stuff and the indie, you know, cult classic type things, and this is one of the ones that I picked up. I didn't remember hardly anything from it. I just remembered the basic concept of it. I didn't remember any of the details of the different scenes, but I've at least seen it before, so yeah. But yeah, this is one that probably is typically known as a 1992 movie to most people, but it was first uh, shown in public somewhere in 1991, which is one of our criteria for including it on the list, if anyone's curious. I think that's like the second movie in a row where we've had that happen, where it's mass release in 1992, Mm -hmm. but initial release somewhere in 1991, which makes it eligible for us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so what did you think as a first time viewer? Uh, I mean, it, it got a little long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was a couple of vignettes that I didn't really, I was just like, okay, can this end? Yeah, I think, um, so I didn't want to give too much detail of the plot in the summary and like, you know break down what happens in each of the five cities because i didn't want the summary to get too long either right yeah um but they're basically five self-contained stories that just all deal with cab drivers and a specific customer that they pick up in their respective city yeah so yeah it's basically just an episodic film yeah like paris jetem yeah the little except it's they're all directed by the same director. Yeah, or like even Creep Show, if you want to go a different mm, direction with yeah. it, you know. Um, where you have like this theme and then, yeah, it's all put together. But this time, yeah, it's all written um, and directed by the same guy. I think what really hurts the film most is the order in which they choose to put these stories. I don't know if you agree with that, I but think I think... they. I get it because they start from like West Coast and then they start going East. Right. Yeah, from a time perspective, it works. But in terms of what like the stories, stories are, yeah. they end on the weakest one by far. Yeah, I mean, that one was just more sad than anything. 
Yeah. Or just serious. Like, the other ones... I mean, this is technically supposed to be, like, a comedy, right? I don't know if it's specifically marketed that way, or if it's, like, a I don't know. When I look it up, it says it's called an art comedy drama. So, okay, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it had the drama in that last one. Yeah, you know, to go back to the previous example of, like, VR Warshawski, where that was in our video store under comedy. Yeah. This was in our video store under, like, the alternative section. Right, yeah. The indie, so it wasn't, yeah, the indie section. Yeah. yeah. So but, it didn't get that, uh, it didn't, it didn't get the comedy I'm surprised I didn't moniker. watch it, because that was, like, my favorite section when I was in high school. Yeah. And plus it has, like, you know, Winona Ryder in the first sequence. Right. So you think that, that maybe be... A little bit of appeal to us kids who grew up with Beetlejuice and uh, Edward Scissorhands and whatnot. But we started in New York, or yeah, L.A. with Winona Ryder. Uh, she's the cab driver in the first part. And her story is basically that she's picking up a casting agent at the airport, um, played by uh, Jenna Rollins. And she has her life all figured out she like wants to be a mechanic and she wants to get married and all this kind of stuff and and um the casting director is looking for a fresh-faced unknown actress to be in this movie Mm -hmm. and she's observing this crude behavior by Winona Ryder's character and um seems like she's perfect for the role and then yeah she's trying to cast and she just tries to convince her to audition yeah, or yeah, or even just be or in just, the movie. Yeah, just automatically star in it. Like, don't you want to be a star? You're in L.A. Right. That was the story, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, it was interesting because I wasn't... I didn't really, again, remember the scene too much. And so I didn't know how it was going to end, if she was even going to broach that subject, or if that was going to be something where the audience can clearly see that Winona Ryder's character is someone that should be considered... But would Jenna Rowland's character consider that as well? Mm-hmm. Um, or would they even bring it up? Or, or, you know, would they even have that conversation? Um, but they do at the very end. And it turns out that, yeah, she does not want to be an actress. She wants to, she doesn't want to uproot her life because everything's going perfectly for her right now. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she wants to be a mechanic and she, you know, has all this, she has this plan and that would deviate from the plan. Which is really interesting, and that kind of um, that's kind of simplifying the thing. I mean, basically, they during the course of the cab ride because it is a very large, long cab ride. They're going from I'm not sure which airport if it's LAX. I'm assuming LAX um, to but, Beverly Hill, like the hills. To Beverly Hills. I mean, it, but yeah, with... it's, it's the quietest I've ever seen any airport. I know they say it's like the executive terminal, which. Maybe doesn't even exist any. I don't know. I mean, yeah, thirty years ago, I have no idea. <laughs> it, it, but it also seemed like it was really late at night. Uh, well, it starts around like dusk time. I know that, like in the okay, before we even get to the LA yeah, scene, it, we see the globe going around, and we hear, hear Tom Waits's song, music, yeah. "Good Old World," um, and then like it shows a wall of clocks. So yeah. it gave the time. I just didn't happen. I to think write it was like ten time. o'clock or something. New York but, was ten, so I think this might have been like seven eight. or eight. Okay, or seven, so, yeah, because it's three hours time time yeah. difference. <clears throat> it just seemed, I mean, uh, just being in LA traffic and then 
I don't know how it is at 7 p.m. on whatever day, but I would assume it would be really busy. Right. And, and it, it didn't seemed like it look was like not, it was. Yeah, nothing was busy at all. But, but I don't I mean, know what it was like 30 years ago. Like, is it, it LA been, traffic? But... It also could have been an independent, more like a more independent airport or a terminal or something, because they said like executive out terminal. Of... And her character gets out of a private jet and has to walk along the runway. So, yeah, right? so, so I she mean, didn't, like, there's exit a lot into of... into an airport. She exited onto concrete, you know, so... Yeah, there's a lot of private... Yeah, like, a lot of private jets along yeah, the way. Yeah, private jets and stuff being flown in and out there. So maybe that's where... Because uh, in the beginning, Winona Ryder... Her, her name is Corky. Yeah. Uh, she drops off, you know, a band. Mm-hmm. Like, a well-known band. So they, that could have been like a smaller airport, like way further in the suburbs of yeah. LA, like that just, you know, handles quote famous people. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah it didn't say LAX or whatever. Quick side note. Though, but yeah, about it that, was a long trip. About that band. <clears throat> okay. They're greeted by their rock manager. Who's like, you know, mad yeah, at them for yeah. being late and whatever. Uh, that was played by uh, Lisanne Falk, who was uh, Winona Ryder's co-star in Heather's. It was Heather Mac- McNamara. Which Heather is that? I don't. The, the first Heather the that again. died. I'd have to look at the picture again. I don't remember anymore. Oh. Okay. But she like she doesn't have much screen time and yeah. doesn't have much face time in this movie. But I just thought it was interesting that two members of Heather's are right there. Anyway. Um, but yeah, we're sort of oversimplifying the plot, yeah. but the, the main cusp of the conversation wasn't so much about what each person wanted to get out of life. It was more them bonding about their own shared experiences in a sense and like going after what they want and, and doing the things that make them happy. Like, I don't know, there's the whole purpose of this movie is to have these strangers find commonality that's what is trying to be conveyed here i think is that you know they're trying to find these two people from separate worlds or seemingly separate worlds and find some sort of like connection or you know bonding and so that's you know that's what happens in the meantime and then in, at the end then they do their little uh exchange and winota denies the the offer so that's that vignette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's pretty that. much... I mean, the one other thing I will say is that the cinematography in this, so it's almost all taking place in front. Like a um, GoPro type of... Th- that's what it kind of... It's like a rig. Yeah, so I think either the camera is like mounted on the hood or it's mounted on a car and the, the cab is actually being towed by another car, mm. right? So it's like could be one of those types of things. But each sequence is shot differently. In this case, it happened to be basically just like three camera angles where you have like the close-up shot of Winona and you have the close-up shot of... Like the passenger seat. The passenger and and then you have the two shot. And then occasionally you'll have like insert shots of her rummaging around in the front seat of her car. Yeah, like she has like a tape player and like random garbage and whatever on the side. Or you also get to see like, you know, some rundown streets, you know, as they pass through. And that seemed to be something of a recurring theme as well, where they... They would have to have multiple cameras pointing at while she's driving. Yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, other other sequences handle... Like, even though, like, every 
every segment is shot and is self-contained largely in a taxi cab. Mm-hmm. They found different ways to shoot each sequence. Mm. You know, they, they found a way to have different options and, and shoot it differently. So, like, New York one adds, you know, the, the view from the back and looking over the shoulder at Helmet, who's the cab driver. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, like I was, I was about to say, is the uh, the city streets... It seemed like they focused a lot more on, like, the rundown parts or the graffiti-filled parts or, you know, the sort of dilapidated buildings, at least in L.A. and New York. I mean, also Paris, because it yeah. kind of looked and as sort if... of Rome, too. Yeah. But I'm wondering, like, if we just didn't notice, or I didn't notice it as much just because they're European cities that we don't have as much familiarity with in pop culture and... It just has that, you know, mysticism of being a European city, and so it's more naturally beautiful just because of that. And we, yeah, because it's, it's easier to ignore the, the like the cobblestone <laughs> streets and stuff like that, stuff that we don't have, yeah. you know, now or ever had like thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, I'm focusing. I more mean, on the Rome. Than... Yeah, I mean, just driving down Rome in those very, very tiny streets. That yeah. Yeah, that's why I that's focused a lot more how, on, too. Yeah. It's like these tiny that's little streets. That's how it is now. I mean, that's why you need, like, either you have to have, like, a tiny car to drive around there or, like, you know, a moped or something. Right. To get through these very tiny streets. You can't have, like, a Ford F-150 driving down no, these streets. No, yeah, it's absolutely impossible. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, I mean, is that... Yeah, we kind of oversimplified the the stuff, but I mean, the only other thing I'd say is like I really didn't like what Winona Ryder was doing with her performance. I don't know. I just see like you think she was trying too hard to be like a tomboyish character or trying to be tough. Yes, I think she took it like to a cartoony level. It's like, oh look at me, I'm over here, I'm gonna spit and curse and stuff. Hey, lady. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because she was kind of, the way she was talking to Jenna Rowland, she's like, I don't give a fuck, boo boo. Like, she yeah. was swearing and, like, just, she didn't give a, she really didn't care, like, how she was acting in yeah. front of, like, a client, or I don't know, a person that you, a customer, I guess. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, what do I know? I mean, some cabbies are like that and some Oh, for aren't. sure. I'm just saying, like, I don't know, it just seemed just like having, she was putting on a bad accent rather oh, than giving a she was trying too hard? Yeah. Okay. That's my... I don't know. Anyway. Um, so we move over to New York next, which is at 10 p.m. So in between each one, we go back to the wall clocks, and then it goes into uh, a position in the globe, and then the city lights up, and then it gets into the thing. Um, those transitions, like, I understand the clocks. Mm-hmm. I don't think the globe part was necessary, and maybe that's just me nitpicking things. Like the, the clocks have the cities, yeah, the cities' names on the walls, and so then when they go to the globe and they light up the city, like the dot yeah. that represents the city, it then fades into the, the scene. City. Like it doesn't do like a. It doesn't match anything. Like the the light doesn't match anything when they fade in. So it's like a it useless doesn't do like thing. a full on zoom in thing, like from Earth. Right. Yeah. It doesn't do anything like that. Zoom in all the way through like clouds and stuff, and then you see a bunch of buildings, and then now you're in that city. Exactly. Yeah. They don't it do just, that. It just shows the Earth a little tiny pinpoint, saying here's where we're going next. Yeah. And then now we're there. Yeah, so it's like, here's where we're going, 
here's the next shot showing you here's where we're going and then mm -hmm. we're there i don't think you needed the two but like if they would have like matched the light with let's say a light post or a stoplight or anything you oh, know like okay. you know match the positioning of the light with something to sort of tie it in more then it would make sense but they didn't do that mm -hmm. or Jarmo shouldn't do that anyway new york is my favorite one Oh yeah, mine too. I think this is probably the favorite for anyone who would watch this. <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, obviously, maybe, you know, based off of your personal experiences in, in life, you may connect with other scenes more, who knows, but um, just in mm -hmm. terms of like a writing and character level, this was the best. So we have uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito who's trying to hail a cab, can't get anybody to pick him up. Because he's going to... Well, well not even that. because he's black, for one. Uh, but, I mean... <laughs> they sort of insinuate that, but they don't. I think that's just... It. when Watching that whole scene, trying to hail a cab, gave me, like, or, flashbacks of me trying to hail a cab. Because you'll be standing there for, like, it depends hours. depends on the time of day. And I shouldn't say he's black, because he's, he's not black, but... Um, he's Latin. But mm. <laughs> anyway... Uh, because he's a person of color trying to hail a cab, I think that. I don't even. I mean, it that could have been that, but I also feel like how. This is probably how it is. Tip. Well, I mean, th at this time period, even up until like ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, I don't know. Where cabbies will just drive past you and not give a shit about you, depending on the time of day. Because be, I, would, I mean, this I don't is know. like 10 p.m., which is like sort of pure pick up the drunk starting time, I would think. So you'd think that there'd be a lot of cabs out there trying that to want to get, up. you know, I mean, some of them are probably like, I'm going home now. I don't want to pick I'm, anyone yeah, up. Yeah, that could but be too. That could also be it. But, but one of them stops and but says even he wants before to go to that, Brooklyn. Before that, someone, like a cab does stop and he says Brooklyn and then the cab driver's like, nope. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like that. Um, and he's he's in Manhattan trying to get to Brooklyn, which I don't know much about New York Just geography, crossing a bridge is know, like it's, it's a pain in the borough. ass. Yeah. So it's a long drive. So, um, yeah, well, so the, the one cab driver denies him and then he finally gets into another cab. Right. Uh, which is uh, Helmed by Helmet. A German immigrant who, uh, this is basically his first job and first fare, most likely. Yeah, because he, he does, does not, not know, how, know how, to how to drive a car. And I was thinking, wouldn't you have to take a test or something to... Well, at that time... I mean, to get your driver's cabbie, license. Who knows? But to even get a driver's license, you have to take a test. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? It doesn't, okay. it doesn't, uh, and uh, he just honestly does not know how to drive. No, he, he's starting and stopping. And so like a lot of judging. He thinks he's driving stick. Yes. Cause he, he keeps on saying it's automatic. It's automatic. I don't know. Automatic. Hmm. And so he's treating it like a stick because he's yeah. like trying to like, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's using... hitting the brake like a clutch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he knows how to drive. Maybe he got his driver's license off of a stick. Maybe. So there yeah. you go. Okay. Um, but anyway. Can't handle it. Uh, Giancarlo uh, gets out of the, threatens to get out of the cab, um, but Helmet pleads with him. He's like, I really, you know, help me. Like, I need this. And, and so basically he agrees. Yeah, he's just like, can you take me to Brooklyn? And yeah. then Helmet doesn't even know where Brooklyn is. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'll drive myself. 
you'll still get the money or whatever. Uh I just want to get home. I'll drive. You just watch and learn. Right. So, yeah, he becomes becomes Helmet's teacher. The teacher, teacher, yes. And then they get to talking about their life experiences, of course, again, and, and life and what brought... Helmet to New York and what he used to do as a, in the past in Germany and he was a he was a circus clown mm-hmm. back then. So he plays like a double recorder thing and he has like the red nose and whatnot. And at some point, uh, Giancarlo, whose character's name is Yo-Yo, because they yes, make a big deal they, of they making fun a, of Helmet's good... name. <laughs> chunk of it making fun of each other's names because you know helmet and yo-yo's like oh so like a a literal helmet right uh, like they, a lampshade so yeah. he starts calling him lampshade yeah but then helmet is like well then what's your name and he goes yo-yo and then helmet starts laughing and yeah. he's like that's a toy yeah like the children's toy he's like no no completely different yeah, yeah. And they're like wearing so they similar make fun hats of each and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they make fun of each other's names and they start, you know, like they have a somewhat friendship out of this. Yeah. You know, it was a very nice bonding experience from them. Like, yeah, they're wearing the same hats. They're talking about, you know, similar life experiences and whatnot. And, um, and at some point, Yo-Yo picks up, uh, sees Rosie Perez on the street, who is his sister-in-law, Angela, and basically abducts her. For some yeah, reason. he picks her up. He's like, why is she... They don't even explain... They don't, yeah, they don't explain why he has to bring her home. Yeah, because he's just like, why is she over here? Like, she's in Manhattan. Like, she's not supposed right. to leave Man- uh, Brooklyn. So he's like, let me take her home. Because I guess they live in the same apartment complex. Yeah, something Or like in that. the same apartment. I don't know. But I mean, she was, like, going somewhere. It's not like she would look lost. Yeah, she was walking somewhere. And they didn't... Yeah, they and never explained... he's like, why is she here? They never explained why she was but there. They never I think explained he why was he mad has at, to bring her back. I think he's just mad at her because she is his brother's wife, and apparently he's she's just supposed to be home with her husband? Something like that. I wish they would have spent a little yeah, bit of they time didn't doing ex- it. Yeah, they didn't explain why. And said virtually the entire conversation between those two is just yelling into saying, it's just fuck them, you, shut yeah, up, fuck you, shut yeah. up. Yeah, she's like, you're an asshole, you're an asshole. You're like, why are you doing this? I don't know. Yeah. It was a shame. Uh, that That's the one part that I wish was done differently, because Rosie Perez is, is awesome yeah. and not utilized, not given a character. She, <laughs> you know, she was she's, just yelling in the back seat, saying... I don't know, you're an asshole, (laughs) and then telling him to shut up. So that that was the one weird part for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's about it. I mean, they they drop, you know, you drop... Okay, here's here's the thing I also like about the movie, is that they finish the two character stories, and then there's always a little bit of, like, a coda at the end, right? There's, like, a little bit to show beyond the ending... Yeah, after they showed them, you know, dropping off their passenger. So So Yo-Yo gets out, um, teaches Helmet about fares, and always count your money before the passenger leaves, because he was trying to cheat him out of his $13. (laughs) Yeah, the fare from (laughs) Manhattan to to Brooklyn is $13 at this stage, I guess. Yeah, And then, I don't know, just... 
Nowadays, that would be like 50 bucks or something. They they showed uh, the gas price in the LA segment as they drove past, and it was like under a dollar a gallon still. And then I think for LA, the fare from whatever airport, it was like 30 something dollars. Maybe, yeah, that could be. And, uh,. So, I guess I thought that was a fair price because it seemed like they were going a really far, yeah, a far distance. But yeah, so you'll, but you'll yeah, from some, Manhattan to Brooklyn, thirteen dollars. Gives them one more lesson about count your money because you know I only gave you twelve, but I wowed it up, so you wouldn't have known unless you yeah. counted it out. So count out your fares, um, and then you know tries to teach them how to get back uh, to Manhattan. Uh, helmet does not absorb it at all and he gets lost and so yeah. like, you just see him kind of like he's wonder like he's looking at the city in wonder and, and you know slowly getting sadder and sadder realizing that he's like lost but still like amazed by all the sights around him so yeah that's sort of how it ends you really start to feel bad for helmet at that point or i did yeah i mean he, i think he well because then Yo-Yo was like, just take this to that busy street up there and then ask someone how right. to get back. Yeah, but, make, make a right and ask somebody. Yeah, and, and he, he makes a left. He makes a left and then he's like and circling he around. And, and then the, they show, you know, that whatever neighborhood in Brooklyn they're in didn't say. No. But, I mean, they show all, there's like police yeah. cars driving by there was like a house fire yeah, there's sirens vehicle. and yeah, yeah sirens everywhere and he's just watching and seeing what's going on and yeah. he's like oh new york yeah and then yeah it's a bit of me it's like it's a beautiful place but there's a lot of troubles there too yeah um and then we get you know the tom waits instrumental by the way tom waits did all of the music in this movie as far as i know um he's credited as the you know composer for this um so if you don't like tom waits then you're not gonna have a (laughs) a good time with most of the music um just a fair warning uh (laughs) move on to paris i mean it's not throughout the entire movie it's just in between each segment (laughs) very in your face at the beginning though oh yeah he he does the the super gruff singing of the uh of the, the good old world song and yeah, you get like the discordant guitar riffs and squealings and whatnot. And so, um, then we go to Paris where his music probably fits a little bit best because there are like more like accordions, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in there. And in this case, we're already in the cab with, um, the cab driver who doesn't get a name as far as I could tell. He doesn't get one in the credits. Uh, it's a person, uh, actor by the name of Isaac de Boncole. Boncole? I don't know how to pronounce Boncole. it. Um, he's a French actor who was born in the Ivory Coast. Um, and he has two ambassadors, two ambassadors to Cameroon in his cab mm-hmm. at the start. And they're like uh, making him, fun of him giving him all kinds of shit because if he's from ivory coast or they're trying to guess where he was from because they weren't because he, he clearly was not from uh, a country as good as theirs right and they are very important people I, this very this important briefcase where, and, i mean and they're basically yeah they're 
they're speaking okay Classist. they're speaking french mm-hmm. and are as a lot do, of african nations do actually. yeah i know yeah. that but are they speaking french so they think that this driver is not a french speaker so they're you know how people will speak a, a different language just you know they assume that the other person won't know what they're saying. That's what mm. I'm trying to ask, I guess. No, I don't think that. That's so they're just part of it. I think they're just being blatantly obnoxious. just because they they're saying all this stuff in French, and then the cab driver is just silently driving them to wherever they're supposed to be going, not really reacting, but then eventually reacting, and yeah. he kicks him out. Yeah, he eventually kicks them out, and because um, they keep on, you're well, they're they're just like making fun of him, and I they're think, and they're wondering where he came from. They're like naming other countries, and then they get to Ivory Coast, and then that's when he kind of the driver, kind of looks up, and they're like, "Oh, he's from the Ivory Coast." Yeah, I, I think part of it is that they're constantly talking, and so he doesn't have a chance to get a word in edgewise if he wanted to. I think part of it is that he's trying to be a good customer service yeah, rep just... and he's like grinning and smiling and bearing right. a lot of the abuse because he probably sees it all the time. Plus it's like 4 a.m. in this Paris segment so they're probably very much drunk and he knows that. Mm. And so yeah. that's probably part of the obnoxious behavior. Um, but yeah, at some point he basically gets insulted and they, they treat Ivory Coast as like this you know second rate country compared to wherever they're from which I think is Cameroon or they're just the ambassadors to Cameroon and they happen to be in Paris. I didn't, I didn't fully capture what that was. Um, and so whatever, whatever it is he gets insulted and, and um, kicks them out of the cab. Mm-hmm. So that's our introduction to this guy. Um, and then they're kicked out, <laughs> out of the cab in a place where there are literal sweet street sweepers. Yeah. Which is weird. It's like not not like, you know, a vehicle with brush, but two people with like brushes who what? are manually sweeping the road for some reason in that little intersection where they get dropped off. That was just weird to see. Maybe that's a common thing. Or maybe there's, you know, specific things that they do. That yeah, way. overnight. Just, I know in, I mean, just I know in New Orleans they sort of do that, but I don't know if they do that every single night. Yeah. Um, it's just a cool little quirk for me to see. Um, and then he picks up his next fare, which is a, a blind girl um, who, before she gets in the cab, he's, he's thinking to himself, well, this girl won't give me any shit, <laughs> so yeah, I'll pick her up. blind. Yeah, and then she immediately calls him an asshole. Right. As she's getting in. Because, Cause, uh, yeah, she drives was, too close. Yeah, you, yeah, she's like, you almost ran me over, you dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> so. And then she's just, yeah, then she sings. <laughs> but he's kind of, like, asking her, like, ignorant questions, I guess. He's trying, yeah, he's trying to learn more about what it means to be blind, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and some of the things she's just like, are... I can do, because he's like, do you go to the movies? And she's like, yeah, of course I would go to the movies. But he's like, why and how? Because you can't see. Right. 
And she's like, I can hear. Yeah, I can feel more than you will ever be able to feel. Right. Yeah, she gets very um, combative with him, very caustic um, and, and tired of his shit. Probably because she's heard it a million times before Yeah, probably. And then um, she's but he's like, just oh, curious. Not again. And, <laughs> and it seems like he's also just trying to keep the conversation going because he has, you know, like a crush on her or something. That's the impression I kind of yeah. got to. It's like, well, I have this cute girl in my cab i need to keep the conversation going so she might be interested in me or something and then obviously i mean that's that's annoying the discussion of sounds annoying to me i don't don't oh sure yeah i don't like when anyone talks to me so i'm just like i would be like that too i just give one word answers and be like can you just please leave me alone Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like how she is. She's just sitting there silently. And then there's like a part where she's trying to put her lipstick on. Like she has her own way of putting lipstick on. And he's watching her. Yeah, he's not He's not even paying road. attention to the road. No. Which which lead me to write down the note that he has an unexplained bandage over one of his eyes. <laughs> so, oh. like, you know. Like you think he gets into accidents? Maybe. I don't know. He's Maybe not he's not super attention. careful. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he's really not looking at the road enough, which always makes me very nervous in movies. Just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I've been in a bad car accident, and so like seeing behavior that could cause a car accident gives me like uh, the jitters. Um, and near the end, he does get into a small crash after she gets dropped off. Because well, he's watching her leave and yeah, doesn't he dropped, pay attention and she drives wants, her into another car. She wants to get... I forgot where exactly, but she wants to get dropped off beside a besides a canal. Yeah. And she just and he watches her walk alongside this canal. Right. And then crashes into another car, which made Well, the... he's wa- watching her walk away, and then she hears the crash and yeah. stops and kind of smiles cuz she can tell that it was the cab driver. Yeah like this dumbass and then the other person in the other car says what are you blind yes a fitting end to that i was like i was thinking like who's out at like four or five in the morning during this time but yeah they don't explain most of the reasonings behind why these people are where they are so whatever um so that's that's how paris goes um, and you sort of get to see a little bit of like the, the smaller streets that you see that are common in Europe. But mm-hmm. when you get to the next section in Rome, which is also takes place in 4am, yeah. um, they really focus on the, the smaller narrow, yeah. streets. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah. Rome is filled with <laughs> those types of streets. Yes. And I think... This is another situation where... Um, He's, like, taking back road. This is where I was also thinking, uh, is he taking, like, a specific route? And why? Because there's a part where he's like, oh, there's a wall here today. There wasn't one here yesterday. Right. I, I don't know how much of that was, like... Like, this is just some specific route he takes in the morning hours just to, like, bite his time? Like, he's bored? Or save time to get to different places. That yeah, I don't know. Um, or it could be the fact that he's wearing sunglasses at night and yeah. he doesn't fully know where he's going because he can't Well, yeah, he, th- he's driving the wrong way on one-way streets. 
and then there's even cars that are still driving the right way on the one way and you know it's a one lane tiny very narrow street yeah so these cars are honking at him and he's just you know he doesn't care yeah no he he gives no shits whatsoever uh just like that's probably the most cab drivery behavior we see in all the segments you don't see that in new york because it's not a traditional new york cab driver right yeah it's the passenger driving <laughs> so yeah. um you know he needs to be careful because he mm. cannot crash this car and hurt yeah. helmet um but yeah here in rome this is probably the most traditional what we know as cab driver craziness uh going on here um what i was going to say is this is also another good example of how the movie is shot differently in the different segments because there are a lot more exterior shots in the Rome segment than any others. Yeah. Because you need to see the streets. You need to see all the roundabouts and things like that that he's going through mm -hmm. to understand what's supposed to be some of the comedy of the situation. I was annoyed. So, okay. <laughs> the cab driver is Roberto Benigni. I think it's probably important to mention that now that you said that you're annoyed. Yeah. Because he is something of a polarizing person. And he talks all the time. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, is he playing himself? Because I know how he is I have a feeling outside it's, of acting. I have a feeling it's like a mix between... Um, he probably had like beats to hit. Yeah. Pr I think he had a lot of leeway to sort of improvise a lot of the... Yeah, just him filler. talking to himself and yes. whatever. And just nonstop talking and trying to be eccentric. And to me, it's annoying. Yeah, it, it's... If there were pauses and beats into it, I think it would have been better. Um, it's nonstop. But just, it's absolutely... And then he's singing and... Nonstop. Yeah. And then I was like, is this him playing himself because he is annoying? <laughs> because be. i mean just from seeing how he reacted at you know the oscars that whenever that year he won moving like 97 I yeah think. when he's jumping up on the chair and like you know yeah acting up like yeah. at that time everyone's like oh he did a thing that no one else has really done yeah and he's trying to be like uh, like a wild and eccentric type of guy. But mm -hmm. then I was like, okay, is this just him being him? It, it very well could be. Like, yeah, I think it's like inspired by him. So I've um, never seen him. I've only seen him in this movie. And then, beautiful. yeah, Life is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful, I mean. Um, but that movie is different than this. Much different. Uh, we'll talk about that in our time, though, because both... Roberto and the other lead in this segment, Paolo Bonicelli, uh, are in the 1991 movie Johnny Stacchino. Uh. So we'll get to see that and we can talk about them in more detail. But I think I think you have something to that because uh, Benini was also in Jarmusch's other movie before this called Down by Law. Okay. And so they had prior working experience. And so I'm sure this segment was written for him with his voice in mind. And so it was meant to be very much inspired by Benini or something he could play around with. Almost had to be. Because Jarmouche works with a lot of the same people mm -hmm. multiple times. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he keeps them in mind for future projects. And I'm sure that's what inspired this. Um, so this fair in this one is... Uh, 
And he picks up someone a who's priest. A, a, yeah, like a bishop who always says that he's not actually a bishop, but we don't learn what that means. We don't know if that means like he's dressed up and he's an actor who's like getting off of work. Or I, if he's I like, thought is he there was like why he's on, dressed up that I way? think it was or, on his way to become one. That's yeah, what I or if thought. he was just a different rank within the church. They yeah. don't explain because Benini won't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> they don't just, let him explain. He just says what he Oh, well cuz he's dre- the the priest is dressed up like a priest would dress up, you right. know, in the garb. Yeah. And yeah. he's and then the, Roberto Benini, they don't even sit, he doesn't have a name. He's just the cab driver. <laughs> Yeah, he he's also, listed as Driver Rome. Yeah, yep. he he also does not get a name. Yeah, I don't think he does. And uh, he's like, oh, uh, priestly, whatever, bishop guy. He calls guy. him father. Yeah, yeah he calls father. him father all the time. <laughs> and that's and, when he decides to just confess, like, all these things that he did. Like, all his sexual things that he's done throughout his life. And then yeah. this poor guy. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> well, before I get to that, just the... Probably, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the most. I don't know how to explain it. Um, when the bishop gets picked up, he plays around with him. Mm. Remember that? <laughs> like, so he like. Oh he's, yeah. Because it's it's in this little like place where there's a statue. It's like in the a middle, taxi like stand, a I think. It could be like a circular taxi stand or something. Yeah. And so the bishop is on one side. The car stops on one side. The bishop starts to walk towards the car, and he does the same, you know, that standard thing where you pull he's, away. Yeah, and well, so he's, he's like trying circling to around, and the if my cab driver around. did that to me, I'd be like, okay, forget, forget it. you. I'll wait another million years for another good cab driver. Yeah, or just walk at this point. I don't know. Yeah, so that's another example of like the jokiness, but I it's to think annoying. Of, like, the good word for it, like mad. It's not madcap. It's goofball screwball whatever you want to call it it's arrogant i don't (laughs) (laughs) i just meant like the technical comedy yeah okay yeah um but yeah so that's sort of how that goes and there's like circusy music underneath it but yeah so at some point when he says he's a father even though paolo is trying to say no i'm not a father he's like oh well i want to confess i'm using this opportunity to confess my sins um and Paolo's like, that's really not necessary. It's not the time. You should go to church for that. Like, this is not the right place. And it doesn't matter. Um, and he keeps, yeah, doing all this arrogant bullshit, like smoking in the car where, you know, the the priest or father or whatever, he's like trying to like give subtle hints about not smoking by, you know, coughing. Like, right, huh, or huh. trying to open like, a window hey. or something. And, yeah. and then he says, hey, you know, that sign says, you know, you're not supposed to smoke. And then Benini's like, oh, I've been meaning to get rid of that sign. And he just throws the no oh, smoking yeah. sign out the window. Like that kind of humor throughout the segment. And then he goes into like this long monologue about uh, his sexual deviancy with pumpkins and sheep. And his brother's wife. And his brother's wife. Who and bent like, over and it reminded him of both the pumpkins and the sheep. I mean, it's yeah. all it's all like constructed well in yeah. terms of like a, you know, a bit, uh-huh. but uh, it's nothing. But he's just like miming the actions and making noises. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's decent, but at this point, I, I mean, it's not. It'll probably be funnier in 1991, perhaps. Or if you have, like, just a different mindset, it just didn't hit home this time. 
Um, but in the meantime, Bishop's like having a hard time breathing and he's like not able to say anything. It seems like he's waiting for his turn to talk to even mention that he's having medical problems. Yeah, well, he takes some pills out. Like he Yeah, he tries been, to take some pills out to help like with heart, his heart. Yeah. And then like they hit a bump or something and they, they fly, out, fly of his out, hand. out of his hand. Yeah. But I was, I was also thinking, take two more pills because he had multiple pills in that bottle. You would think so. You would think you'd have more pills in that bottle, but, you know, it wouldn't make for a good sequence if everything worked out fine. I know. <laughs> I mean, if I know he he probably used like uh, I'm not gonna reach down and try and look for them, but you're not gonna take two. Well, he more? was trying to reach down a little bit. Yeah, but he 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 kind of gave up right away because he's like, oh, forget it, because it's like too dark or it's like messy down there. Or yeah, and, or he just couldn't reach. I don't know yeah. how cramped yeah, it is too. But. Um, wouldn't you just open the bottle again and take two more pills out? I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe those are the last <laughs> ones. Maybe those last ones. But it looked that pill bottle looked like there was more in there. I don't know. You'll have to ask Jarmouche if you ever okay. <laughs> thirty years if there's like a Q and A. Yeah. I'll ask him something of from this movie. There you go. Um, but yeah, while that's all happening with him dropping the medicine, we get introduced to two hookers in drag or transvestites is how they're credited in the movie. Um, that Roberto's character just stops and says hi to and says, Hey, look who I have in the cab. I have a bishop in the cab. And they're like, yeah, and they're oh, like, oh bishop. yeah. Like, I don't know what the point of that was. I think to startle the bishop even more, but. I don't know. Is this like a weird little but the, non sequitur? They were just, they seemed as if like Roberto Benini's character was like um, a customer of theirs. Yeah. They, they knew him like really well. They definitely knew each other really well. And I don't know if or it's because. Yeah, they just knew each other because he probably they sees all them. Night shift. Yeah. They, they see the same people every night. Yeah. And he's just probably like, oh. Yeah kind of like co-workers in a way i don't know but i i, I don't know I, I don't understand the whole point of it but at the end basically the bishop dies right and the actor's job paolo uh bonicelli's job is solely to slowly die with yeah. like very expressive eyes and like he's perfect for that role because he has an extremely yeah, expressive those big eyes yeah face and you can see him blinking when like uh, at the end he gets propped up on a bench because he dies in the cab and Benini f- figures it out once he finally stops talking. Um, and so, yeah, he drags him out of the cab, props him up on a bench because he doesn't want to be known. He doesn't want to go to hell for sure because he killed a priest a, a priest with yeah. all of his dirty confessions. Um, so that was his concern. And so he leaves him on a bench and, like, trying to shut his eyes, but his eyes pop back open. There's mm. a little bit of extra. So he puts his sunglasses Puts his sunglasses on. To end the to end the scene, right. So there is the most going on in this scene, and definitely the most words per minute in this yeah. one too. And then we go into Helsinki, which is a far departure in terms oh, yeah. of tone. Um, we're at five a.m. There's snow on the ground, um, and again they're going around in circles around a statue. But the cab driver uh, Mika is just circling it yawning waiting for some sort of fare mm-hmm. so uh he gets called to three guys who are basically sleeping up against each other while waiting 
because they're all drunk. One of them was fully asleep, still passed out drunk because he lost his job. His new car got smashed. His 16-year-old daughter was pregnant. His wife wants a divorce. Everything's wrong, so he had a terrible day. Right. Uh, and the two friends are consoling him, and, and the cab driver, Mika, is like, well, it could be much worse. Right. And they say, how could it possibly be? And he goes into his own story. His own about sad story, yeah. A premature baby that his wife had and how he was going to deny that baby love. Um, and because if it's just going to die, then I'm not going to pretend to love and mm-hmm. goes in this big, long monologue that, um, yeah. Anyway, that's virtually all that happens in that one. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I don't want to seem like insensitive, but I mean, these are fake characters. Right? So, um, but I mean, like it was, it was not intriguing. It didn't have anything to really pull you in. Even the storytelling from Mika wasn't told in a very captivated, was not told in a very captivating way for me mm. personally. Like, yes, it's definitely a very sad story. Um, but that's a, not really how you want to end your movie. More right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Um, at this very yeah because it just ends after that well it shows it goes after this vignette ends it goes back to the clock thing doesn't it i don't think so i, I know it i don't does, remember anymore uh i thought it like i don't know it shows but, it shows the um i just know the, that the passed they out drunk guy s- sitting in the curb and it's dawn and two factory workers come out and say hi to him and then go off to work that and then, Assumingly at the same job that he just got fired from. Right. Um, and then I, yeah, either and they then go the back Tom to the, Waits music comes back on. Yeah, and either credits roll or the clocks happen and then credits roll. I'm not sure which. So, yeah, the, that's the not-so-brief rundown of all the different stories. Um, but I think the order matters. Like, it's sort of like, I'm not a huge music guy, per se, but, I mean, I think it's like, formulating an album like you want to have a strong opener you need to have a strong Mm. closer and then like mix in the emotions and the tones in between i think you could have easily started in la yeah and ended in new york by going across the pacific instead of so going the other way around yeah go west instead of east so go la Helsinki, Rome, Paris, then New York. Yeah. I think so. Instead of... Because then you have, like, a decent story. You have the downer. Then you can come back to it from Rome with a high comedy, like, switch up the tone. Or, since Rome and Paris are both 4 a.m. Do Paris, Rome, or whatever? Do Paris, Rome, New York. I mean, obviously, like, the geography is a little bit off in that case but you're still in the same time zone yeah it really depends if how much it really matters to do it in a geographical time zone order or not too obviously that was part of the point uh yeah i think yeah i was just trying to do the the time zone yeah because it usually starts from west going all the way east or or like you know yeah I, i understand it um but with that said... Instead of going back in time, because then they, it would be like going back in time in, in a way. Yeah, I guess. That's true. 
Because it, it would be 7 p.m. L.A. And then there'll be like 5 a.m. Or maybe the answer is just to... It'd be 5, 4... Change the location for some of those stories. Like why does Why does the Helsinki story have to take place in Helsinki? Why does the Paris story have to take place in Paris? So... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Paris story could have just been exactly what the Helsinki story was or something. Yeah, they could have just swapped those stories and kept the same, I don't know, whatever. Um, clearly the movie worked to I some mean, degree and it got some... The last two is when I started to, like, get... Drop off. Drop off and be like, okay, this is getting too long. Yeah. Because it, it's about a two-hour movie total. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the last two vignettes were also the longest because after the Paris one, going into the Rome one, I was checking the time and I was like, we have an hour left. <laughs> yeah, 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 you could be right. And like Helsinki oh, I was had... checking the time because I was like, how, how much do we have left? Because I don't want to see this and then another one. Because, yeah, I mean, so Helsinki two... had no reason to be as long as it was. Right. There, I mean, could have made there the, was not enough substance in there. Could have made the New York one an extra fifteen minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I think we're probably largely in agreement in terms of order of what we liked. So we both yeah. agree New York was best. Yes. So what? L.A. second, maybe. Oh, I liked. Or I liked. I liked New York and Paris. L.A. was okay to me. Okay. Yeah, I think that maybe the last two I didn't care for. Makes sense. Because yeah, that's I... where I started to get annoyed, and then Helsinki was just like a very sad, depressing, like downer. I mean, yeah, it was. It just got like it went from like crazy zany to like hardcore serious. Right. It is very weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like Rome. I understand what I was going for. I, I, I think it had a lot of potential, and I think New York had a little bit of potential, by, or not New York, L.A. had some potential too, but it's just the performances in both of them kind of deterred. So I don't know, whatever. I don't know if I can fully agree on order. New York, and then, yeah, maybe Paris, and then maybe Rome, L.A., Helsinki. But any ever any given day, I might change my mind. So... Mm. Um. Yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> uh, we can talk about some of the cast and crew now. We didn't. We talked a little bit about that. Um, Jim Jarmusch, I think we all sort of know who he is. Uh, if you're in the independent film scene at all, we talked about Down by Law. He's done Stranger Than Paradise, Coffee and Cigarettes, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, Mystery Train. He has six independent spirit nominations, zero wins, and no other award nominations of note um frederick elmas he's the cinematographer of this movie um i mentioned him because he uh won the independent spirit award for this movie for his cinematography uh he's also won for wild at heart he was nominated for blue velvet he was the cinematographer for the ice storm mm -hmm. and eraser head uh, he has a 2020 Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association of Cinematographers. Um, he has also an, an Emmy winner for that uh, Riz Ahmed miniseries, The Night Of, that was on HBO. So, 
very accomplished. And again, you know, I think they did a, uh, he did a wonderful job of like incorporating different styles in what could be a very samey looking thing. Um, that, that that was fantastic. Tom Waits won't spend a whole lot of time on him. Again, he did 1991 score for this. This is his only score in 1991, but we'll see him again in some other stuff. Um, in terms of music, though, since we're talking about his music side of things, Oscar nominated in 1983 for the music for One from the Heart. He has two Grammy wins, five nominations, and he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as of 2011. Um, we talked about Winona Ryder a little bit. She was an Oscar nomination for Age of Innocence and Little Women. She won the Golden Globe for Age of Innocence. And she's been nominated for Mermaids and Stranger Things. She is also an MTV Movie Awards Best Kiss nominee three times over. Uh, Can you guess the movie? Edward Scissorhands? No. Has, no? That's too early. They didn't. So, oh, uh, they remember, didn't, this 1991, 92 was the first year. Okay, of the so MTV Little Awards. Women? No. Uh, Dracula. Yes, Dracula is one of them. I don't know what the other. We got Reality Bites. Okay, all right. And Ethan How Hall. to Make an American Quilt. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oddly enough, so she's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, I think this is her only 1991 movie, though. Uh, but you know who she is. <laughs> uh, Jenna Rollins, uh, Oscar nominated for Gloria and A Woman Under the Influence. Um, worked a lot with uh yeah. oh gosh her husband yes her husband i'm blanking on the name why am i blanking john cassavetes there you go john cassavetes <laughs> i had like a, a, a s name in my head for some reason john cassavetes uh worked <laughs> with him uh a lot uh she's an emmy winner um she's in a 1991 movie that is not currently on our list uh called face of a stranger in which she won an emmy for um, I could not find a watchable version of that movie, so that's why it's not on our list. But if that ever comes up, or if you know of one, then let us know. Um, she'll be in two more 1991 movies, Once Around and Ted and Venus. Uh, Helmet was played by Armin Muller Stahl. He was one of my favorite. Both of the performances in this were yeah. my favorite. Um, he's in the 1991 movie, 1991 movie Kafka, and also another one that's not on our list called Bronstein's Children. Uh, could not find a watchable version of that either. He was nominated for an Oscar for the movie Shine, that Jeffrey Rush movie from like 1997. Okay. Biography of some musician I don't remember because I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's also been in things like The Game, The X-Files movie, and Theodore Rex. And Eastern Promises, if you want to end on a well-known movie. <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito, we all know from Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and The Mandalorian. He has Emmy nominations for those. Uh, he has an Independent Spirit Award nomination for the movie Fresh. Um, he's been in a bunch of Spike Lee movies. He was in the Jungle Book remake, a season of Homicide Life on the Streets. He'll be in the 1991 movie Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. And I also learned that he is the theme. So he is one of the people who sang the theme song to The Electric Company, the 1970s like PBS show. Oh, okay. But he was not in the cast. He was just like one of the people who was singing the theme song. Hmm. So, there you go. Uh, Rosie Perez, real quick. <laughs> Oscar right. and Golden Globe nomination for Fearless. Uh, she was a three-time Emmy nomination for her choreography for In Living Color, which was interesting to see. 
Um, but yeah, she's this is the only 1991 movie that she's in, I believe. Uh, known for Do the Right Thing, White Man Can't Jump, Birds of Prey. She was also in another Jarmusch movie called The Dead Don't Die more recently. Um, Isaac de Buncole, the driver in Paris. He's in Down to Earth and Ghost Dog and Coffee and Cigarettes as well. Um, he's in Diving Bell and the Butterfly. He's one of the elders in Black Panther. Uh, so he's in the Marvel Universe. He's um, ah. he. I looked at the picture. He's the one like with the, the green plate in his lip. Okay. So when you watch that movie, that's him. Um, it's interesting. I, I just want to take a little side note. Like It was interesting to see yeah, a character from the Ivory Coast. I, I, I had a roommate in college mm-hmm. from the Ivory Coast. So was, I don't know. I wish... I wish I would have taken a little more time to get to know that guy because I only was roommates with him for like half a semester, basically, oh. or for like a semester, sort of. And like our schedules did not really align all that much. He was awake when I was sleeping. He was sleeping when I was awake. The things I remember about him is that uh, he basically played three different albums, right? He played uh, DMX. Okay. He played <laughs> R.I.P. Doctor Doctor Dre Chronic Two Thousand. Okay. And he played um, a couple songs from a Metallica album. Huh. That's like the only music he ever played in Full Blast. Um, but yeah, like we talked a little bit and I, you know, taught him some English slang and stuff. And, you know, he talked about how he, why he came to America and whatnot. I learned a little bit about his culture. But like, uh, yeah, our cultures didn't, our schedules didn't align all that much. Um, but I also remember he overslept for one of his finals mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was like trying to wake him up. I'm like, like, wake up, wake up. You got to go to your, your class. He's like, what time is it? Like, it's like 10 o'clock. He's like, ah, oh, I'll just tell him I thought the class is at night. And <laughs> he went back to sleep. At night? <laughs> yeah. I'll just tell him that in Africa we do our finals at nighttime and I got confused. So, like, he had, like, these built-in excuses in his head did it, did it work, though? As far as I know, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like, yeah, they bought it. But, yeah, he was a, he was a cool guy that I, didn't, I did not get to, to spend a lot of time with. So, yeah, that's my that's my own personal pausing on the credits by way okay. of another Ivory Coast person. Um, Beatrice Dalle, the blind woman, uh, she's a Caesar nomination the French Awards for Betty Blue. Um she was in the French version of the horror movie Inside, which was remade with, uh, uh, what's his face? Ethan Hawk? Hawk. <laughs> I'm having trouble with names. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Mika was played by an actor named Maddie Pelonpa. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that name. Uh, he, I, he did a lot of stuff in... In Europe, a lot of these actors don't have a lot of U.S. crossover, so I don't have a lot to say about them. Um, but he was working regularly since the late 60s in, in his home country and then passed away in 1995 from a heart attack. So mm. not too many U.S. credits that I could recognize, but um, very steady, well-known actor in that region. And that's all I have for grass, the, the casting credits. In terms of awards, the only one that they had was the Best Cinematography Award for Frederick Elmas at the Film Independent Spirit Awards. That's the only thing I could find of note. Uh, should we go on to true crime and pop culture? Yes. I have two, maybe, well, three stories. Two are connected. How many time zones are we covering? 
What do you mean time? Let's, let's get out the globe. Oh. <laughs> well, we're going to be going back and forth in time, I guess. Okay. Like some cr- chronology. Let's spin the globe. It's going to be about two different women in this movie. Okay. So nothing happened the week that this movie was released. But I'm going to talk about some crimes that happened with... One is obvious. The other one, I, we both, I didn't even know. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'm gonna talk about Winona Ryder. But before I get to Winona Ryder, I'm gonna talk about a murder and kidnapping of a young girl. This did not happen in '91, but this is gonna connect to Winona's story when I get to it. Okay. So it's, um, I'm just gonna do a small little summary of what happened and i listened to there is a there are several podcasts about this case and i only listened to one just to know a little bit more of what happened because i didn't even hear about this but this is a murder and kidnapping of a 12 year old girl her name is polly class on october 1st 1993 12-year-old Polly Class was kidnapped for her, from her home in Petaluma, California during a sleepover. And this made nationwide news of her kidnapping because the kidnapping was on 2020 and America's Most Wanted. It was, you know, people were like, we want it. Her parents were like, we, we, we just want her home or safe. We want any information about, like, her whereabouts Mm -hmm. i mean it just it did turn out that she was murdered like they found her body like a a few months later that case is a little bit interesting because around that time just like the technology wasn't all that great like you know even like getting blood and you know like dna samples like even in the early 90s that was still not a thing yeah. So it was hard to, it, I mean, nowadays if this happened, you can probably find a small child, like, immediately. But, and then, or maybe, I don't know, I mean. Depends, yeah. Quicker sure than, depends on the circumstances. Quicker than sure. what happened 30-ish years ago. So it was just like, there was a, the, the case is interesting, and you can Google the murder and kidnap of Polly Class. And the podcast I listened to it's from one called Morbid. And it was just, you know, a lot of lack of communication. There was problems with, like, the APB getting from one county to the next. They they weren't, like, crossing their wires, so no one heard about it. And it was just shitty all around. Sure. <laughs> so now I'm going to get into Winona Ryder. On December 12, 2001... Ryder was arrested on shoplifting charges in Beverly Hills, California. She was accused of stealing over $5,000 worth of designer clothes and accessories at a Saks Fifth Avenue department store. Officers said that they found $5,560 worth of stolen merchandise, which include a cashmere sweater from Marc Jacobs, which was $760, Various Frederick Fakai hair adornments worth about $600 and several pairs of socks, 
including a cashmere pair from Donna Karen worth $80. They were both in, like, all these items were inside two shopping bags and then a garment bag that Winona had. She signed two civil demands in the security offices of the store before she was arrested by the Beverly Hills Police Department binding her to pay for the stolen and surrendered merchandise as permitted under California's statute for civil recovery for shoplifting. So L.A. District Attorney Stephen Cooley assembled a team of eight prosecutors and filed four felony charges against her okay. for this stupid-ass, like... Right. Like, I don't know. Who even cares? Like, yeah. at this point, I'm like... I don't know. Negotiations failed to produce a plea bargain at the end of 2002. The prosecution was not ready to offer her like a no contest plea or even misdemeanor charges. So, you know, like last week or two weeks ago when I was talking about Pee Wee Herman, he was able to get like a no plea just by doing like some, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they were hard on her for some... Because she's a woman. I don't know. <laughs> Basically. She was accused... Okay, the during trial. This was in, like, uh, at the end of 2002. She was accused of using drugs during trial, including oxycodone, diazepam, and Vicodin without valid prescriptions. She was convicted of grand theft, shoplifting, and vandalism but she was acquitted on felony charge of burglary. And I was trying to find out, like, why vandalism? Mm -hmm. I couldn't really find it. I looked at, like, three different articles. One is from New York Times, another the Huffington Post, and then, like, I didn't even just Google search, like, why vandalism? It could be something as simple as, like, she threw clothes all around or something. When... Or, like, she haphazardly just, like, muffled some shirts into a bag and they were, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... It's a really weird... A lot of these names that we have, like, common associations with are... Yeah, to me thrown, it sounds like, like vandalism is you're like caught like breaking some windows or yeah, something. Like you're, she didn't do you're that. You're destroying things or defacing property and whatnot. She, like, uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it could be as simple as like, oh, you dropped this. Right, you dropped these you pile these of sweaters in, on the floor. <laughs> you did this intentionally in, in a certain order, and so that's vandalism. Right. Okay, and then. So she was acquitted. She was charged for those three, grand theft, shoplifting, vandalism. She was acquitted for burglary. In December 2002, she was sentenced to three years of probation, 480 hours of community service, $3,700 in fines, and then $6,355 in restitution to the Saks Fifth Avenue stores and she was ordered to attend psychological and drug counseling. Okay, during her trial, like I'm going to go back to the first story that I talked about. Sure. During the time that uh, the 12-year-old girl was missing, Polly Class, this was in 93 now, going back in time, 
during the trial, you know, Monona did a lot of like activism. Her attorney was like, you know, she's not a bad person. She's done this, this, and this. During that time when that girl was missing, Polly Class, she, Winona Ryder, this is when Winona was like, what, 22, I think. Sure. Ryder offered a $200,000 reward for that 12-year-old girl who was kidnapped. She was helping for her safe return to her mm. family. She gave the family $200,000 to find her. Hmm. And it's because... Winona is from that same city as where she was taken from, Petaluma, California. Oh, okay. That's where. That's the reason why, basically. Gotcha. So that's why I talked about the first one. Um. So on June eighteenth, two thousand four, Superior Court Judge Eldon Fox reviewed Ryder's probation report and noted that she had served her four hundred and eighty hours of community service and the felonies were reduced to misdemeanors. She remained on probation until December 2005, and Ryder explained to in an interview magazine that the incident occurred during a difficult time in her life when she was clinically depressed. She also stated that heavy painkiller medication that a physician she was going to was practicing they they said quote crack quackery had prescribed her you know significant significantly clouded her judgment so you know the ones that she was supposedly prescribed all those like painkiller number type of things yeah they were not valid so the doctor who prescribed the the medications that she was receiving at the time subsequently had his medical license revoked for unethically catering to the demands of the wealthy this is a quote Mm. the demands and wealth wealthy and famous drug seekers (laughs) i just thought that was it's probably still very common you're right that type of thing and another thing so going back to that first case about Polyclass, the young girl that was murdered. After the credits, I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, but at the end credits, I guess uh, Winona Ryder, she stars as Joe in the 1994 movie, The Adaptation of Little Women. And she dedicated her performance to In Class's memory. Mm. Because Little Women was class's favorite book. Oh, okay. And so now I'm going to talk about another actress (laughs) in this movie who I didn't know anything about. Because I didn't know her at all. It's Beatrice Dahl who played the blind woman in the Paris segment of this movie. And who is not really blind. She yeah, she's not blind, blind in real life. her irises in the back of her head for most of her yeah. time on screen. Yeah. So I looked up a, a few articles about her controversies, and I just did like a bullet point type of chronology of what she has been up to in the past almost 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, starting with... 
Like her her personal life has been controversial. She was arrested on several occasions for shoplifting, drug possession, and assault. She was arrested for assaulting a Parisian meter maid who was ticketing her car in a handicapped parking place in 1998. She was declared an, quote, undesirable immigrant by American ambassador to France and denied work permit to portray Bruce Willis's wife in The Sixth Sense. And the reason for her status was her two arrests for alleged cocaine possession in Miami during the filming of the movie The Blackout. That was in 1997. Hmm. In January 2005, while making a film about prison life in Brest, B-R-E-S-T. That's where she's from, Brest, France. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm going to assume that's how you say it. <laughs> I'm sure we're getting a lot of foreign yes. pronunciations wrong, but yeah, we'll, we'll go yeah. with that one. Dal met Ginal Metziani, who was serving a 12-year 12 12 prison sentence for assaulting and raping his ex-girlfriend. She married him in prison, while he was in prison, after visiting him on 24 random occasions like she visited him 24 times and then she's like okay i'm gonna marry you and she spoke on his behalf at hearings to get him out on early release she said the marriage was quote a complete disaster once metziani was released from prison and their divorce was finalized in 2014 Hmm. that was a long time because this was in january 2005 Wow. So, yeah, that took a long time to... Yeah. In 2018, Dahl was criticized for celebrating the escape from prison of a violent criminal serving a 25-year sentence for robbery in which a police officer was killed. She was celebrating, you know... Okay. That. She was interviewed on a French TV program called Divan, D-I-V-A-N... She said that when she, she used to work in a morgue, she didn't say when, but when she was younger, mm-hmm. and she and her friends sold body parts of corpses, and she also said that while on acid, she ate a dead man's ear. Nice. Okay. And also in 2018, this was an article from The Guardian that I found. She stated that she, quotes loves Christ because he invented bondage. okay this is the thing this is the all i found about her beatrice doll and then a little little 1991 tidbit is that she was in a music video for aha's video of the song move to memphis which i've never heard of this song all the only aha only has one song in my mind i think they did one for the olympics as well that i've maybe heard okay So yeah, interesting, uh, it seems like she's always trying to find the new way to be edgy. Yeah, trying to be edgy. Controversial and stay in the news by... Saying some messed up shit. Uh, I am not going to do anything TV related because this was like too long. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But... Love it. Yeah, a lot of true crime. And I I was thinking like... 
I did find there was an SNL episode, but I can talk about that if there's another, you know, movie released the I'm same sure. the same week, I'm you sure know, on October fourth. But the top songs for this week was the top U.S. song was Marky Mark and the Funky Funky Bunch, Good Vibrations. Okay. And the top U.K. song was Brian Adams. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I do, I do it for you. Well, Brian Adams still never going. got his own Sega CD game like Marky Mark did. So, but his song wasn't. It has been number one for at least a full on like year. Year <laughs> plus three more years. Yeah. It feels. <laughs> and the top number one R and B song was Vanessa Williams' "Running Back to You." Okay. So on rankings and ratings, on your one to five star scale, where would you put Night on Earth? Uh, I would just, I would give it a three. Okay. On my zero to four star scale, I'm probably going to say, uh, oh gosh, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half, which seems kind of high. Um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where if I think about it more, I might go down to a three but i'm, I'm going three and a half because I, I like what it was accomplishing up until that last segment i think that's sort of where it kind of fell apart a little bit too much for me yeah um but i was largely engaged for the most part uh every movie's worth watching once would you watch it again i would watch the new york segment over and over again but <laughs> not any other ones <laughs> I, I get that yeah i think if this i don't know this seems like the type of thing that could be adapted into like a tv series or something like yeah, that Yeah, like they could do an update because you know now that there's uber or whatever like in they can yeah, do like they an could update. do a similar type of a thing um yeah i would i'm with you in in the new york thing i think I'd watch certain segments as a whole. I don't think there's anything that really is gained from watching it as a whole. So watch your favorite segments. Uh, but if you out there want to watch Night on Earth, as of this recording in May 2021, it's available on HBO Max, the Criterion Channel, Digital Rental, VHS, and DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. It really helps us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're talking about Life Stinks. That's available on HBO Max, digital rental, VHS, DVD. We will see you then. Thanks. Thanks.